Just a quick heads up before we get started. This episode is going to contain some language that some people may find offensive. All right, let's go. What's good, everybody? You're listening to Code Switch. I'm Gene Demby. And I'm Shireen Marisol Maraji. And on this week's episode, we have some special guests, mm-hmm. Leela Day and Hana Baba. They host a podcast called The Stoop, which tackles issues around Black identity that aren't always discussed out in the open. And we're going to play one of their episodes for you this week. But before we get to that, Leela, Hana, welcome to Code Switch. Hey, guys. Hey. So The Stoop, how did The Stoop come to be? And who would you say is your audience? So the stoop came out of these conversations that me and Hana would have um, at work at KLW in, in San Francisco. And there was these conversations we have about a lot of our experiences. We're both black. Mm-hmm. I'm African-American. Hana is Sudanese. And, um, you know, we had very similar experiences, but very different black experiences, too. So we started talking about, like, all of these issues and we thought like we need to actually podcast this thing so yeah we thought like our audience would be people that look like us because we're talking about like black things but Mm -hmm. we also know that people are just going to be curious and excited to hear about these conversations and they're not just you know tied to a black experience now this episode that we're about to hear exposes some tension Mm -hmm. between the african-american and african community here in the u.s is that putting too fine a point on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Leela said, we're both black, but we're different kinds of black, if if that makes sense, coming from very different places. And so in this episode, we wanted to know something very specific. Can African-American people appropriate African culture? Like if a black person from Detroit or Houston starts wearing a kente cloth or a kufi hat or a dashiki or jewelry that has specific cultural meaning in like Sudan or Kenya and they don't understand that meaning is that still okay but or is it disrespectful uh, <laughs> the question makes it so uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh-huh. Uh-huh. y'all just want to go like all the way in from jump i see yeah yeah i mean i i feel like we knew we knew it was super sensitive because mm-hmm. we would start talking about it and we'd be like wait a minute but am I appropriating if I'm black? Wait, what does this mean? Like, how can we, like, dissect this? And this was, like, a very, very touchy episode. I remember asking Hana, like, wait, so do you hear other Africans saying, like, you know, that African-Americans shouldn't be wearing certain things because for whatever reason? Yes. "Uh, Yeah. And I was like, okay, we need to stoop this out. (laughs) Yes. We've both been having a lot of conversations about the very similar things. Like, we both been told we sound white mm-hmm. and we both heard this term African booty scratcher when we were growing up. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> I heard it too growing up. Yes, I feel like that was a very 90s diss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally 90s diss. And then we also both wondered like, was there some cultural reason why it was so hard for our parents to say, I love you? And we were like, let's go, you know, deeper into these conversations. Right. And do we need sunscreen? And should we be taking vitamin D? <laughs> right. Yes, sunscreen, yes. That's a yes question, right? I mean, it is yes. Yes. You do need it. Very much yes. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk about why. Oh, did yeah. we ruin that episode by saying that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we're going to explore it because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about these things. Mental health, we'll go into that, into the stigma of mental health in both our communities, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So this episode that we're about to hear, can you give us the origin story behind the central question? Which, if I have to repeat it, is can African-American people appropriate African cultures? Yeah, I mean, I think the origin from the story came from a blog post that we saw online, which was a woman who is African, a British writer, and she was saying, you know, she was sick of seeing African-Americans appropriating African culture. And that's when we were like, you know, let's 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 keep this conversation going. And this was on OK Africa, which is an African focused website that we both read. And she was talking about kind of black America in general, but she was focused on this festival called Afropunk. Uh, it's a festival out of Brooklyn. Actually, it's now international, but it started in New York, in Brooklyn. You know, it's just like African fashion, music, and it's it's just popping. Everybody looks so fly in all the pictures. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we just decided, let's focus on fashion and let's just take it there. Could it be appropriation if we're black? I am very ready to hear this. Me too. But first, a quick break. Support for Code Switch and the following message come from Squarespace. Get a unique domain and create a beautiful website using Squarespace's all-in-one platform and award-winning templates. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade, ever. Visit squarespace.com to start your free trial and use offer code CODESWITCH for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Support also comes from Delta Airlines, who wants to make your travel experience informed, connected, and seamless. With the Fly Delta app, you'll always be able to locate your bags. The app has real-time bag tracking with RFID, giving you peace of mind in your hand. Download the Fly Delta app now. And we're back with the Stoop podcast, and they're taking us to Afropunk. You know, it's just melanin popping, dashiki dust, spraying, and I love every minute of it. You look regal as all hell, yeah. That was TK, Tasty Quiche Dutes. She's a radio host out of Brooklyn. Brooklyn. We sent her to check out Afropunk. She said she talked to a lot of people. A lot. Mm-hmm. And for the folks in Radio Land, can you describe what you're wearing? The neckwear is, I don't even know what you call this, but it's a multicolored, kind of Afrocentric um, necklace. Um, you wear this for special occasions, special events, especially with the embroidery. It's a sign of class. Those outfits sound incredible. I'm getting some ideas. Right. Afropunk. Don't know the story behind each piece, but I love the colors and the way it comes together. But it's kind of like a future punk, tribal, African, almost kind of post-apocalyptic kind of style. Yeah, but, you know, they sound like they're celebrating. They're really having a good time. There's a good vibe about it. Um, But some other folks don't really have that same excitement about wearing African tribal wear. Yep. Some people are saying that's appropriation. Controversial. And this issue of fashion appropriating culture isn't new. Remember back in 2012, I don't know if you remember this, but the Navajo Nation actually sued Urban Outfitters for their Navajo-inspired line. Yeah, yeah, they were selling things like, what was it? Navajo Navajo hipster hipster panties. panties. (laughs) There's actually a law called the Indian Arts and Crafts Act, and it basically prohibits, quote, misrepresentation in marketing of Indian arts and craft products in America. The Navajo got that trademark on lockdown. Yeah, but not every indigenous group had a trademark. 
right? Things, you know, rooted deep in different cultures from around the world. They're all out there in the name of fashion. So why should we care? Well, first, what does appropriation mean? Well, let's look it up. Mm-hmm. My phone here. Find it yet? Yeah. A term used to describe the taking over of creative or artistic forms, mm-hmm. themes, or practices by one cultural group from another. Mm. It is in general used to describe Western appropriations of non-Western or non-white forms. Western. And carries connotations of exploitation and dominance. All right. So then it's about taking things from someone else's culture and making it yours. But how is it not mine if it's part of my heritage? Mm -hmm. I mean, some of us don't know where in the continent in Africa we're from, so we feel that we can connect to any any part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but then an African might come and say, well, wait, how is my heritage also yours? You're American. You're Western, just like in that definition. Mm. This is getting complicated. Mm-hmm. Black America, please stop appropriating African clothing and tribal marks. Yes, that means everyone at Afropunk too. That came from a blog post by British Nigerian writer Zipporah Jean. That's not her reading, though. No, that was a voice actress stepping in. Voice actress. Um, So Zipporah wrote a blog post. And it was shared like crazy online. Crazy. For the life of me, I need to know. Can black people culturally appropriate one another? It's a nuanced question that seems to either set tempers aflare or create vacuums of silence in a room. Why is the disgust and uproar surrounding this ongoing phenomenon only reserved for instances when white people appropriate us? Mm, that's, that's a question. It is. We're going to go there. I'm not trying to start a war, but I would just like you all to realize the hypocrisy of seeing someone wearing a Fulani septum ring, rocking in a jalaba, painted with Yoruba-like tribal marks, all the while claiming that this is meant to be respectful. It's a hodgepodge. A juxtaposition, a right mess of regional, ethnic, and cultural customs, and it screams ignorance and cultural insensitivity. Even Even when when black black people wear it? Yes, that's right. Even when worn by black people. So after this came out, the comment section blew up. Mm -hmm. It made a lot of people angry. Here's what some people had to say. Do you really expect a group of systematically oppressed people that were stripped of their heritage to really know the true meaning of all the African clothing after 500 years of disconnection from the continent? It's not appropriating. Rather to feel like we belong to something. African Americans are constantly reminded that America doesn't accept us. And at times we feel like Africa doesn't want us. So imagine not knowing where you fit in. Dear Real Africans, Thank you again for proving to this world just how ignorant, bigoted, and arrogant you really are. It never occurred to me until now that it was this breed of Africans who sold millions of their fellow Africans into slavery, whose descendants today have the damn audacity to condemn them for daring to spiritually manifest their own African ancestors. So you're offended by someone you don't know, living on a continent thousands of miles away, wearing an African fabric print? 
Seriously? Seriously? I can't begin to explain how shallow and self-centered that is. As a free man, you have no right to tell me what I can or cannot wear. Mm-hmm. So, we needed to stoop this thing out some more. We sure did. We're here in California. Right. So we needed to go to Brooklyn, the home of Afropunk. East Coast. Brooklyn, New York. My name is Malika Shabazz. I live in Brooklyn, but I'm from Detroit. Hi, my name is Janicia, also known as Jay. I'm Ngozi Otita. I'm Nigerian. So we talked to a group of women who definitely rock what some people call an Afrocentric or tribal look. Tribal look. Right now, I have on some bangles that I've had since birth. So I have one piece of jewelry that is from Ethiopia. I have on African print earrings, I forgot. (laughs) Got some chucks on and an afro. So we wanted to know why do they wear African clothing? Okay. Um, Well, this is Malika. Me, personally, I've always had African quote-unquote African fashion in my attire. I grew up in an atmosphere where I knew about my history in America and before we got here on the slave ships. My parents were wearing African clothes before I was even born, and I'm 32. This is Janicia. It just felt more natural to me. It just made sense to me. It didn't feel like, oh, I feel so prideful and I'm showing everyone that I'm black and African. It just felt like this is more of myself than going into Macy's and buying some shit that has no connection to me. Then there's Ngozi. From my experience, like, of course, being Nigerian, like my family, everybody wore what was our local fabrics. We wore Ankara, you know, we wore batik fabrics. So I had that experience as a child, but I grew up in New York City. So, you know, I was rocking my Tims, my Jabos, whatever people we were wearing back then, you know, that's what I wore. And it was Black Americans here that put me on, not put me on in the sense like, yo, like, I just remember in the 90s, whether you had groups like Brand Nubian, we're going to wear African medallions. We're going to throw on dashikis because we're proud and we're black and we're African. And that influenced me to be like, word, like, I, you know, I, I'm African. I know where I'm from. Like, I should rock that stuff, too. Boogie job and rap is life where I'm from. Where I'm from. Amate, where is he? Where I'm from. Where I'm from. But Hana, I remember asking you mm-hmm. how Africans feel when black folks wear things like dashikis. Okay, well, I've heard a lot of Africans talking about that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Say they, They'd say, like, African-Americans shouldn't be wearing our clothing. But what makes it yours? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay. So what if I wear a tobe? You know, the mm-hmm. sorry-like body wrap. It's either cotton or silk. You wear it in Sudan. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've seen you wearing it at, at your parties. Yeah. Getting all dolled up. In Sudan, it's the daily outfit that women wear, mostly married women. And what if I wore it just because, you know, I was feeling festive? Ooh, I think it would look gorgeous on you, Leela. But I just would want you to know a little bit about it. That's all. But that's just me. Other people might have a different opinion. Well, how do we find out? What do we Google? That's what producer TK was asking people at Afropunk. The answer was pretty simple. So basically, ask an African. Okay, well, I'm an African. Yep. And I took that question to some Sudanese ladies at a recent picnic. I want to know what they thought. Okay, I wasn't invited to that picnic. Oh, next time. Okay. 
Uh, so they were eating and playing drums and singing. They were just having a good old time. So I asked them what they would say to an African-American woman right now if she walked over here in Sudanese clothing. Mm. I would say, why should you have to wear this and then... And this is not for her. She, she's about not to wear it because she's not wearing it right uh, the right way we're supposed to wear it. That's for us. This is African. But what I feel is like if you're going to wear something, you need to search it or research it before you put it on. Because I do love to ask them where is it from and, and what tribe and, and what does it represent. And if they don't know, I'll let them know. I'll tell them to take it off. Ooh, that was Asunta Abifu and Najwa Saleh. They're both from Sudan. So what if I went up to those women and asked them that exact same question? Do you think, as an African-American, as a mm. black woman, do you think that they would be honest with me? I don't think so. They, I mean, maybe they'll say the same thing, but toned down in a different tone. Maybe they would choose different words because... These are the kinds of conversations that happen kind of within the closed space of the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like the safe spaces of I'm talking to my my person, right? But I don't think you'd get the same response, Lila. That is so interesting. <laughs> but that's one group of people, people who came to the U.S. as adults. I found that they think one way But then those who came here as kids to this country, who have gone to school here, who have American friends, they don't always think the same way. It's not a bad thing to represent somebody else's culture as long as you're representing it well. So I talked to some younger Sudanese-American ladies outside their community center. I just asked them how they felt about all this. We are talking about an African-American woman, so it's like, it makes me happy and it makes me like see like the positive. For you to put something on and have no idea the meaning behind it or the culture behind it, then what are you doing? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I think it's like cool. I feel that she's trying to get together who is she or she's trying to grasp something from, let's say, her ancestors or something like that. But I don't, I don't think that's a really bad thing. In the same time, um, I don't feel that it should be pick and choose. I think my main problem is our culture isn't a trend. So like doing it for like Instagram likes or just because it's popular or it's hot in the streets, like that's mainly my why I oppose it. So those were Fatima Abdu, Shadin Osman, Shahinaz, and Amal Khidir. 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 Did I say it right? Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. So that last point about the Instagram likes, Malika from Brooklyn takes issue with all that. There's this misconception that we're just doing it because it's fun. No. Black people have been trying to learn about their culture. When we got over here, it doesn't just completely beat out of us. We held on to what we could. I just think all of that is not taken into account where you're talking about, well, you don't know where it came from. It came from Africa, and I know that's where I came from, and I'm repping it harder than you are right now. Mm. But, you know, Hana, none of this is new. No. And in order to get where we're at today, we got to take a step back. Let's go back. Back in the day, clothing said a lot about you. Coming to this country as a slave, you were given some clothes, but those clothes weren't Afrocentric. Yeah, it was usually really plain, coarse clothing, like stiff frocks for women. Mm -hmm. It was a way to create a kind of uniform. 
and eventually the clothes you wore represented if you were free or enslaved. Yeah, like the head wraps, although they were worn in Africa as a sign of status, Mm -hmm. as slaves it was a sign of subordination. Some parts of the South even required black women to cover their hair. Right. Eventually, those head wraps became more elaborate. So it went from a form of subordination to more fanciful, colorful wraps. But European standards of dress were still the norm. Mm -hmm. In the 20th century, suits, fancy dresses and hats, that was the style. Then came the civil rights movement, and people wanted to say it loud. African-style clothing was back. Folks started wearing afros, African fabrics, dashikis, head wraps. Well, for me, it was was another aspect of of freedom. That's Professor Claiborne Carson from Stanford University's Martin Luther King Institute. He lived through the civil rights movement and says the 60s were a time of black cultural expression. Afrocentric looks were big. It was an expression of being free. You can't truly be free unless you can act free, unless uh, you know what it feels to be truly free in, in every sense of the word, culturally free, free in terms of how you wear your hair, what you, what you wear in terms of fashion, uh, what you listen to, and, and what kind of culture you can make. Uh, you know, all of those things are, are part of freedom. And for young people today, it's also about belonging. You know, belonging to a culture that you can really call your own. Culture is both a return to a imagined past, and it's also a revolutionary act of creating a culture that fits your needs for the future. So African Americans wore African clothing to connect with their African heritage. But a lot of African immigrants coming to America at that time, in the 60s and 70s, They say they weren't feeling that love. Yeah, you know Ngozi from Brooklyn? Mm -hmm. Her dad moved here from Nigeria. I know my dad, when he got here in the 70s, it was not a great experience for him. Like, him being African was an issue from whites and from black people living here. So I think a lot of Africans harbor resentment because they feel like you didn't accept us. Like, you know, we've always been made, you know, made fun of. When you look at our stories across media, there's a resentment, but there's a reason why they resent, you know, black uh, Americans. Right. And it's not all of them. Right, it's, it's not, not and that's what I'm them. saying. Like, I, and I fully understand that. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think the same way that that is something that I understand. You know, I went to school with other black kids who were calling the African kids names and shit like that. I think that while it is for me to understand that, it, we all need to be earning and gaining some yeah. motherfucking understanding. Can, I, can we curse? We never established that. Understanding. Understanding. Can we gain some? I think we can. I think we can totally do that. I think the word appropriation in this whole conversation needs to leave. Yes. Well, the, the issue is, is that how are we appropriating something that we feel is already ours? So could it be something different? Could it, could it, I mean, can it be something different? Well, we can think of it as appreciation. Of course you'd say that. Right. Yeah. That's very nice. Uh, and... We as Africans also should think of it as an appreciation of our shared culture. We have a shared culture. But just learn a little bit more about 
what it is you're wearing. That's all we ask. Google it or ask an African. To me, I'm just like anybody who wants to identify with where they feel their roots are. I mean, I think that's dope. You know, being black in America, like you are trying to figure out like, okay, like where are my roots? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where on the continent I'm from, but I know that's where I'm from. You've been listening to a new podcast about the Black experience called The Stoop from KALW. Leela Day and Hana Baba bring you stories about Black identity that are not always shared out in the open. And I want to thank you both for being with us and sharing this with us. Yes. It was great. Thanks for having us. Thank you, you guys. And the music you heard on this episode was composed by Daoud Anthony for The Stoop. You can find episodes of The Stoop at thestoop.org. That's T-H-E-S-T-O-O-P dot O-R-G. On iTunes, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where can they find you on Twitter? We're at The Stoop Podcast. In behalf of Lila Day and Hana Baba, I'm Gene Demby. I'm Shireen Marisol Miraji. I'll see you all next week. Be easy. Peace. <laughs>